Hello, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today because I believe God's Word is a powerful weapon designed by the Father to set the captives free. I trust the Holy Spirit will anoint this message and it will personally minister to you and set you free. God bless and enjoy this message. All right. Um, this series of messages that, I'm, that I started last week, uh, last week we, we started talking about uh, offense, and uh, I've been working on this uh, series of messages for quite some time now, but I've uh, taken some of the information that I share with you from this book, The Bait of Satan, by John Bevere. I just encourage you, if you'd like to uh, pick this up, we do have some copies of it out there. Uh, it is really a fantastic book. It helps um, with some issues that each and every one of us have, each one of us have to deal with, and that's offense. Uh, but it also, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I believe it talks about the root of bitterness. I believe it talks about unforgiveness as well. And that's what uh, that's why I, I developed these, this series of, of uh, messages because I knew that we had to talk about offense because if you, you um, nip uh, offense uh, right away, you deal with it, then you don't have to deal with the root of bitterness. But if you don't stop it, the root of bitterness begins to take root gets down deep inside of us. And from there, if you don't stop the root of bitterness, then it turns into unforgiveness. And unforgiveness creates bondage. So I just wanted to uh, share the, the direction that we're going with these messages. The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. Uh, if you're not able to get a copy out here, you can pick one up just about any place. Uh, uh, see, over a million copies sold worldwide. I think this is a, a revised edition. But some of you may have it. If you have it, pass it around to other people. Just a great book. So today, we are going to be talking about the root of bitterness. Hebrews 12, 14 says this. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. What we see here is that there is, when we become offended, and we allow that offense to continue in our life, and we uh, roll it over and over in our mind and we try to deal with that, uh, that uh, offense can become the root of bitterness in our life. And a root will get deep down deep in the soil of our life and begin to take control and control us. So when we look at, when I look at offense, if it's left to fester, it becomes bitterness. And bitterness causes strife. Um, it turns into unforgiveness, and unforgiveness fosters envy and selfishness and turns into 
bondage. James 3.16 says this, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So when we begin to get into that mode of selfishness, which is what happens when the root of bitterness gets into us because we begin to think only of ourselves and how we can avenge ourselves or uh, how we were wronged. You know, are you all with me? Do you, have you ever been there? Come on. We're all human. We've been there and we've allowed those things to roll over and over in our mind. And how, how, would, how could I get back at this person? And if we're not careful, that's what we'll do. We'll set up a scenario where we can get revenge. And vengeance is mine, says the Lord, not ours. So we have to be very careful with that. A grizzly was eating a, a fish that he had killed, and another bear came along, and the grizzly growled bitterly, this is my dinner. And the, the other grizzly left. And then a wolf came along, and the grizzly growled, Bitterly, this is my dinner, and the wolf left. And then along came a skunk. The skunk ate his fill, and then he meandered off. The grizzly said nothing because he knew the cost of bitterness. Had he not understood the cost of bitterness, he would have smelled it for a long, long time. You all know what the stench of a skunk smells like. And that's what happens when the root of bitterness gets inside of us. It gets a hold of us. And believe it or not, we put off a stench, not in the natural, I hope, but in the supernatural, in the spiritual realm. That stench is, is smelled by the demonic realm. And that it draws the demonic into our lives. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to be possessed or anything like that, but it opens the door for the demonic realm to, to begin to, to torment and do some things in people's life. Bitterness, the, the, work, the Greek word, perkia, it means bitter gall, extreme wickedness, a bitter root, and so producing bitter fruit. So if we allow the root of bitterness to take hold we're not only it's not only down deep but it begins to uh, be projected into our fruit as well into our life and other people begin to see it there's a plant called the yucca plant and the the yucca plant is uh is a plant that is uh, native to high deserts uh southwest united states mexico uh, most people, a lot of people do plant them in other parts uh, of the United States, and they use them mostly for ornamental purposes. They like the looks of them. But uh, they, they also, also have some medicinal purposes, and uh, the thing about the, the yucca plant is that it grows pretty quickly, and the root system goes down very deep. And here's what happens, though, if you plant a yucca tree and it begins to uh, take root, uh, it produces extremely quickly, so they can become a nuisance after a while. That root goes down deep and it begins, they have sprouts sprouting up all over the place. The yucca root truly is, for some people, a yucca plant because they have a difficult time getting rid of it once you get it established. 
The root of bitterness is a yucca root. It can be hard to get rid of. So we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, must allow Him to work through us and allow us to get rid of that yucca root in our life. It can be something very simple. Mrs. Smart, Mrs. Smart was fumbling in her purse for, offering a, uh, for her offering one Sunday morning when suddenly a television remote fell out. The usher bent over and picked it up and he said, Mrs. Smith, do you always, uh, Mrs. Smart, do you always uh, carry your remote in your pocketbook? And she said, no, this morning my husband refused to come to church with me, so the only really evil thing that I could think of that was legal was take the remote. <laughs> do you realize that's the beginning of the root of bitterness? taking root, taking, taking place in her life, not only her life, but it's going to spill over into his life as well. That's something very simple, but I, I, want, I need to, to say this to uh, families, to husbands and wives. If we're not careful, we'll allow this root to, to take hold in our life, to grow up, go down deep, and then the fruit of it will come out in such things as what I was just talking about. So I want to talk about three steps, uh, three things that we can do to, to uh, take care of the root of bitterness, to deal with it. And we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. So if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 9. We're going to begin with the first verse. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 19. Beginning with that first verse, Luke chapter 19. We're going to be pretty much stay in this, uh, this chapter and deal with this story this morning. Verse 1 through 4 to begin with. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of a short statue, stature. So he ran ahead and, and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. Zacchaeus, some of the things that, that we need to, to understand about Zacchaeus is that he was, he was a Jew. He was a, uh, a Jewish uh, follower, uh, or a Jewish, a born into the, the Jewish uh, family. And Zacchaeus... Uh, became a tax collector, or he, is, he uh, allowed himself to become a, uh, a servant of the Roman government. And in his job, in his position, he was, uh, he was to go out and tech, collect the taxes from the people. And many times these tax collectors, not only did they tax collect the tax and a little extra for themselves, but they collected the tax and a lot of extra for themselves. So the Jewish people hated those Jews who had taken on this position as tax collector. But not only was Zacchaeus a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. That meant that he had other tax collectors under him. Zacchaeus was a very rich man because of that, because of his position. 
But it also says he was a very small man, a small stature. And some believe that he may have even been a dwarf. We don't know. But he was very small anyhow. So, so small that he had to climb up in a tree uh, to see Jesus. Now, climbing in a tree was not something that adults did. Kids did that. But yet, Zacchaeus, was, he wanted to see Jesus so badly that it, he absolutely would do anything. And climbing up in a tree, he got to the point where he didn't care what the, people thought about him. You know, Zacchaeus probably grew up with all the short jokes that people uh, perpetrate on small people. You know, I've heard this many times. A small person uh, gets up and, and uh, speaks and somebody just jokingly says, stand up so we can see you. Not very funny, but they say things like that. And there's all kinds of crazy short jokes. And uh, Zacchaeus probably lived with that his whole life. And he was trying to overcome that, uh, um, those feelings inside of him as well as other people's opinion of him. So without a doubt, his, his position demanded respect. And his, his behavior, his lifestyle probably was one of demanding respect of other people. He probably was, he was an aristocrat. And people looked at him, and even though he had small stature, he had great power and authority, and people realized that. But regardless, Zacchaeus humbled himself that day and climbed up into the tree. You see, he changed his behavior. That's what we're looking at. If we're going to get rid of the root of bitterness, without a doubt... Uh, well, I, I can't say that, but I, I speculate that Zacchaeus probably had a lot of bitterness in him, his heart. Bitterness from all the jokes, bitterness from people rejecting him, bitterness from all kinds of things happening in his life. I speculate that regardless of that bitterness, and even though he wanted great respect, that day he changed his behavior. He ran up climbed up in the tree because he wanted to see the Savior. He wanted to see Jesus more than anything. Our behavior, if we're going to eradicate bitterness in our life, the root of bitterness, the first thing we have to do is change our behavior. Now, behavior doesn't always translate into feelings or emotions. Sometimes we have to act a certain way before it begins to take uh, precedent in our heart and in our mind. We have to act. You know, believe it or not, there are some Sundays when I get up here in front of you and I have to act like I want to be here. You understand? Come on, I'm telling you the truth. You know, it, it's not always easy to stand up in, in front of people and, and share uh, what you believe God wants you to, to share with them. Um, it's just, it's difficult at times. And yet, I, I try my best to get up here and present uh, to you the attitude that God is using me and I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here. And that is my inward attitude about this, regardless of how I feel on the inside. 
You may not always feel like doing something or acting in a certain way, but behavior is the starting point to get rid of the root of bitterness. Zacchaeus' behavior changed, and he ran up and got in that tree. That was the beginning of getting rid of that bitterness in his life. In Matthew 5.44, it says this, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. If you've been offended, and you're beginning to develop that root of bitterness, I, I just say to you this morning, fend it off, change your attitude toward that person, and begin to act regardless of how you feel about it. Jesus said, love your enemies, bless them who curse you. Bless them. Don't hate them. If you've been offended by somebody, on some level, it may not be you know, a deep, deep level, but on some level, you, you're viewing that person as your enemy because they did something to you that was painful. Last week, I, I told you the story about uh, my, our, Tammy and I's mentor and how, you know, they yeah, got upset with us because I, was, I came to pastor the church and things were not going direct, the direction they wanted it to. And, of course, they had the, the, the meeting, the church meeting. We weren't invited. God dealt with it. And that person uh, decided that they were going to leave the church. And I, um, many years later, they apologized to me. But I want, want you to know this. Anytime something like that happens in my life, I always feel like God is saying, it's my responsibility to do my best to mend those fences. I believe that's what Jesus said when he taught us that, you know, listen, if you're offended by your brother or your brother offends you, go and talk to them. That's the first step. If we would do that, we would stop the offense and the bitterness in its tracks. So what I wanted to tell you was that right after that happened, I went to that gentleman's job site and talked to him. And, and I apologized if I had done anything that hurt him in any way uh, that was my responsibility and I felt like I, I was released from that and thank God a few years later he came to me and apologized so mended our relationship but because I had a responsibility to do my part I was able to stop that root of bitterness from taking hold in, taking hold in my life I was able, my behavior, you see what I'm saying? My, I didn't, you know what I really wanted to do? I'm not going to tell you. But my behavior, <laughs> my behavior had to be something totally different than my emotions. I hope you're hearing this this morning. The next thing we have to do is work on our attitude. How many understand that attitude develop? You know, I mean, it determines your altitude. Your attitude is so important. Zacchaeus had an encounter with the living God, Jesus Christ, the living Word. Let's look at verse five through 
7. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when he saw, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Okay. Zacchaeus was excited. Jesus was coming to his house. Jesus was going to have dinner with him. Jesus was going to be present in his home, in this tax collector's home, the home where all the other religious leaders uh, wouldn't, wouldn't dare go into because he was a horrible sinner. And we see this in their comment, in their, their thoughts about Zacchaeus. Jesus is going to, di to dinner at a sinner's house. My goodness. That's what Jesus came for, was to deliver sinners, which we all have been and are still at times. Amen. Thank God for the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the grace that He's bestowed upon us through Jesus. No one will ever be able to enter heaven by your own merit. Jesus is the reason that we are righteous. And Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. And what we see here is that Zacchaeus' attitude changed. Why did it change? Because Jesus showed him that he was not this horrible person that the religious leaders made him out to be. Jesus, he went there. He went to, to, G, to Zacchaeus' house. He had dinner with Zacchaeus. He embraced Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus' attitude changed almost immediately. The living Word of God came to Zacchaeus' house. And it's the Word of God that will change our attitude. In John chapter 1, verse, I'm going to read 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's in the beginning. When all things were created, Jesus was there. The Word of God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. Do you grasp that? Jesus was there, and because He was this, the Word of God, alive, he made everything. All things were created. And in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then it says in verse 14, and the whole, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we behold His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The grace of God is what reaches out to us. The recognition that that grace is present and available to, that, to us is what changes our attitude. That's what changed Zacchaeus' attitude. Jesus presented his grace to him and Zacchaeus received it. His attitude changed completely. Proverbs 9.10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's the knowledge of our God through the Word that helps change our attitude. 
John Maxwell said this, the attitude is an inward feeling expressed by hate, by behavior. And I believe that, but I also believe that behavior helps to change the attitude. Knowledge of the Word of God will adjust our attitude, and it will overcome the root of bitterness. It will stop that root of bitterness in its tracks. Now, I'm, I'm being pretty vulnerable with you in regards to things that have happened in my life and how I have dealt with them, sometimes inappropriately and sometimes with God's help, appropriately. But uh, some of you may not know, but a few years ago, I had, we had a couple little puppies, uh, and those puppies ran over to a neighbor's house. And uh, I heard some gunshots, and some, one of the other neighbors came up to me and said, that so-and-so just shot your dogs. Um, You can imagine how I felt. These were just, they were puppies. They, I don't know, I don't know what possessed a person to act like that. But regardless, he, he, he shot, and shot one of them, wounded the other one, he killed it. And you can imagine, I was pretty irate. I, I was. I'll just tell you the truth. It's just like Jesus said, I had murder in my heart. That was wrong. I went to his house there was a confrontation, and thank God, I mean, he, he, was ready, he, was go, he was ready to fight, and I wanted to. But thank God, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, said, you don't want to do this. So I turned and walked away. Now I want to tell you, I carried that for quite a long time. And that root of bitterness started to, to grow in me. So I knew that I had to deal with that. So the opportunity arose and I was able to go to him and talk to him and tell him that, you know, I'm sorry for the way I acted. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to, to go on with life. And he said, ah, oh, I forgot about it a long time ago. And, uh, well, okay. I hadn't. <laughs> But my, I was released. My spirit was released. And I, I no longer have a root of bitterness. I, I would uh, do anything to help him. Um, what, you know, his motives, I don't know what they were. But thank God, personally, I had to move beyond that. I had to get my attitude right in regards to the Word of God. Attitude is so important. You know, in 1962, John Glenn circled the earth. And it was a pretty incredible time. At, uh, well, there was a, a man uh, in Houston who spoke with Glenn. And uh, one of the things he told Glenn at, at one point was that you need to change the attitude uh, a few degrees. And most people thought, well, that was a mistake. He meant altitude. But no, he meant, a he meant attitude. Every, any pilot will tell you that 
if you want to keep your altitude properly, you have to keep the attitude of the plane, which is the, the nose of the plane, up and, and in the right direction. So he was telling John Glenn the right thing. Now, here's the thing about when men go to space, there's a lot of people it takes to coordinate that and, and cause that to, to come into place. And, and there's a group of people, if you've ever seen uh, uh, the setup at NASA, they usually have three or four people with computers uh, in, in a row. And then right in front of them is another gentleman. And that gentleman is the individual. And usually he is also a, an astronaut himself. And he's the only person that's allowed to communicate with those astronauts. He speaks their language. He's also an astronaut. He speaks their language. And when something goes wrong or something needs to be dealt with, he, the other people say, hey, this, this needs to be done. He's the one that speaks to them. Now, I tell you this because I, I want you to, to liken that to the Holy Spirit. Many times when something goes away in our life and we have an issue with somebody or we have an offense, we, get, we hear a lot of voices. You know, that situation with the, the dog, uh, I, I had a lot of voices speaking to me about how I should handle that situation. But there's only one voice you should be listening to. That's the Holy Spirit. Listen carefully to what he's saying. Get alone with him. Don't allow these other voices to manipulate you and cause you to stray in the wrong, to go to the left, go to the right. Stay fast in the direction that the Holy Spirit has given you. Let him speak to your heart. The last thing I want to talk to you this morning about is a change of heart. These two things that I just shared with you, that's our responsibility. Change of behavior, change of attitude. We have to, we have to let we have to let God deal with us. We have to get into the Word. We have to know exactly how we're supposed to, based on the Word of God, the living Word of God how we're supposed to handle situation. But this one, the change of heart, can only come by the power of the Holy Spirit. 8 through 10. Chapter 19, verse 8 through 10. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the, the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, I have... I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he has also is a son of Abraham. So the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus not only had a change of behavior, and a change of attitude, he suddenly had a change of heart. And the only way to have a change of heart is for the Holy Spirit 
to deal with your issue, your situation. We do what we can. But then we must say, Holy Spirit, help me. Touch me. Allow me to forgive. Allow me to overcome. Help me to overcome. Help change my heart from the inside out. Change of heart is always the work of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this, And a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. He was talking about our day when the, the Son of, of God would come and die on the cross for our sins and, and, and go back to heaven and send the Holy Spirit to place a new heart in each and every one of us. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the only one that can change our heart. And God knows our hearts need to be changed. Psalms 44, 21. Would not God search this out? For He knows the secrets of the heart. Somewhere around... 1977, 1978, I started having, hi Jim, good to see you. I started having a, a change of behavior and a change of my attitude. Prior to that, Tammy and I, you know, we lived a party life and, you know, went to in our own direction. But somewhere around there, I started realizing that my life wasn't going in the right direction and that I needed a relationship with the Lord. And so my behavior started changing. And I've, I've told you those stories, how uh, you know, my behavior changed and it affected Tammy. I wouldn't uh, roll joints for her anymore. She didn't like that. That's t- you know, I, I don't. All right, well, let's just go on. So I, I had a change of behavior. And then my attitude about my lifestyle started changing. And then, and then I had an encounter with the living Word of God, Jesus Christ. And He totally changed my heart. It wasn't just behavior and attitude, it was a heart change. That's what he's looking for in every one of these situations that we go through. If we can just say, God, I've done everything I can do. It's got to be you. You've got to change my heart. Zacchaeus' change of heart was so complete that he no longer cared about material possessions. And that was what his whole life was all about. Building his own kingdom and becoming rich and powerful. And being able to lord it over all those people that made fun of him. And suddenly that wasn't important any longer. The only important thing was to have his, right, his life right with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3, 
3 says, Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. We're epistles of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of God dwells in us. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us through all these situations. He wants to stop that root of bitterness from ever taking root in our life. We have responsibility in this. But the main responsibility is to turn it over to the Lord so He can deal with our heart. This is illustrated in in a story by Corey Ten Boone. If you're not familiar with Corey, she was, uh, she and her family, I believe they lived in Austria, they were, um, they were Christians who sheltered Jews who were being uh, captured by the Nazis and taken to concentration camps. She and her family, her father, would take these Jews and hide them away to protect them. She wrote a book, if you'd like to read it, The Hiding Place. It's an incredible account of her life and what, what took place. But basically, uh, the Nazis found out about it. They took her whole family. Uh, her mom and dad uh, evidently died in a concentration camp. Uh, she went to uh, Ravenbrook, concentration camp she and her sister her sister ended up dying there and she was horribly mistreated all that time that she was there and um, but afterwards she went around speaking and sharing the love of Jesus Christ with people and telling people that there was forgiveness but let me share with you um, the story that she wrote in her book it was an unexpected encounter with a Nazi guard who had mistreated her at Ravenbrook. Uh, and here's what she said. It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him. The former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravenbrook. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly, it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as, as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people in Bloomingdale, the need for forget to forgive let my hand left my hand at my side even as the anger vengeful thoughts boiled through me i saw the sin of them all jesus christ had died for this man was i going to ask for more lord jesus i prayed forgive me and help me to forgive him i tried to smile i struggled to raise my hand i could not i felt nothing not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. 
From my shoulders along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. That was the power of the Holy Spirit. She did what she could. She changed her behavior. She tried to change her attitude. But it was only by the Holy Spirit that she could forgive such horrendous treatment. And knowing that her parents died, knowing that her sister died at the hands of these evil people, but she was willing to allow the Spirit of God to help her to forgive. If we hang on to that root of bitterness, I'm telling you, it'll go deep into your life and it will destroy you. Stand with me. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I'm just going to dismiss with a word of prayer this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, if you'd like to have prayer for anything afterwards, just come up and we'll pray with you. Heavenly Father, I, I know that we all deal with these things. We, we become offended, and if we're not careful, this root of bitterness will take hold. But Lord, we're... We're just a people who desire to do your work and your will. Help us not to allow bitterness to overtake us. Help us to love one another. Help us to have grace toward each other, Father. Because you had such wonderful grace for us. Lord, touch your people this morning. Help us to walk in forgiveness. And help us to walk in the power of Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, today we just turn our hearts over to you. Thank you for your healing power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have an awesome day. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.